It is Adam. We had the incredible opportunity to speak with Marcos of the band P.O.D. over Zoom video. Marcos was born and raised in San Diego, California, my hometown, my wife's hometown. And he talked to us about how he got into music. Originally, Marcos' plan was to join the Air Force and become a pilot. He really wanted to be a pilot as a kid. He saw a concert on TV. I think he said Headbangers Ball or something on MTV. And his whole life changed. He didn't want to be a pilot anymore. He wanted to be a rock star. And at that point, he got a guitar, asked his mom for a guitar. She bought him an amp, a little knockoff Fender Squire. And he just locked himself in his room and just kept playing and playing and playing. He told us how he met Wove and how Wove's dad was a drummer and he wasn't allowed to play the drum set. He was, it was like a stepbrother's moment, like, do not touch my drums. And so when he was at work, <laughs> Marcos would come over and they would touch the drums and, and start playing songs. And what's really funny is Wove's dad ended up totally embracing the whole idea of their band and started managing P.O.D. But we talk about their early successes, getting signed to Atlantic Records, how life-changing that was, being on TRL as like this heavier rock, active rock band. Marcos talked to us about putting out the record Satellite on 9-11 20 years ago and how that really affected the album. Now the band's on tour celebrating 20 years of Satellite, which is pretty incredible. He also talks to us about what's up with P.O.D. and new music on the way from P.O.D. So that's pretty exciting. You can watch our interview with Marcos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with P.O.D. This podcast is about your journey and music, kind of your origin story and what you guys have going on right now with P.O.D. Yeah, I mean, 20 years celebrating uh, uh, the birth of the Satellite record. I know. Isn't that crazy? Who would have thunk, right? A bunch <laughs> of sandy little hood rats are still together. And uh, there's those songs are a little more relevant, I think, today than they were then. Oh, dude, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. It's crazy. It's crazy where the world's at now, right? 20 years later. Right? It's crazy. Oh, it, man. You know, it just keeps going and in circles and just like everyone's like oh man it's it's way more crazy it's always been crazy but now we can see it all the time because we're on our phones and mm-hmm. you know tv like, it's accessible back then it was you know it's going to show my age but i don't think it was as as soon as something happens people know right away like what's oh going yeah on? seconds uh-huh. right yeah <laughs> that's crazy well uh first off were you born and raised in in san diego I was. Okay. Where, Chula Vista? Were you born in Chula Vista? No, San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Okay. What, where, uh, and then you were, where, where'd you grow up though? I grew up in South San Diego, um, Logan Heights, Chula Vista, National City. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit. I, I mean, I'm from San Diego. I know, I know the area, but for somebody that doesn't know. Um, it's, uh, I would say it's, it's like a more of a, of a Hispanic area, like mm-hmm. Latinos and stuff, and a little more culturally diverse than, um, I don't know. There's a lot of taco trucks. <laughs> um, it's close There's a lot to, of great Mexican food down there. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, we're, we're closer to the border. Sure. Um, nice. And that's where we started. We started in a garage in uh, 
we're a we're a, a good example of the American dream as far as a rock band goes. You oh know, yeah, three three to four, you know, four dudes just kind of jamming out and uh, trying to trying to become something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, I used to see you guys. You played uh, Maranatha Church back in the day. Do you remember that oh, little dude, skate we, demos? Well, dude, we would play pretty much where they let us play YMCA. We play backyard parties, keggers. <laughs> I mean, so I was like, hey, and then we started playing like, you know, they'd be like, you want to play this? Sure. Let's we got a gig. And then we started playing Soma, <clears throat> the first original Soma mm-hmm. in downtown. Uh, we played the dungeon. And then once you got 100 people, you would get a main stage show. And our first few main stage shows were with Green Day. Before really? Green Day. Green Day. Yeah, they, they were on Lookout Records, man. Oh my gosh. So you were playing with them like pre Dookie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah, man. And and, I mean, and think about it, the sound, I mean, we definitely have a a punk rock energy, but it was a different, they were more, you know, pop punk and we were more like street punk with rap hardcore or heavier. Yeah, totally. So, wow. Well, how did you get into music? Well, like originally, you know what, man, it was this, it was a desire that just kind of just dropped into my, into my soul, man. I, I come from a musically, I guess, I would say a musical family. My, my grandfather was a mariachi. Oh, really? I'll talk about how he got to play for president Roosevelt. Wow. Uh, he was always gigging. And, um, it's not like I just was like, I'm going to train and be this virtuoso musician. It was one day I, Cause before that I wanted to be a pilot. That's all I cared about was I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to go to the air force. I'm going to be an airline pilot. After that, I had a plan. Mm-hmm. My super stoked about it. And so one day I, I don't know what concert it was. I was watching TV. I don't know if it was headbangers ball or alternative nation. And they were playing a big stadium, a big crowd. And I was like, actually that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so my 13th birthday, I asked for a guitar and a guitar amp and uh my mom was like why because i didn't really have any friends that were i wasn't trying to start a band or nothing mm-hmm. it was just all on my own and uh she saved her hard-earned money single mom and got me a little gorilla amp and a and a little fender strat like knockoff mm-hmm. and i'm pretty much self-taught i sat in my room read magazines went to shows and and i looked at uh at how different guitar players were doing things live. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go home and try that when I want. I see how he did that. You know, that's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just taught myself, got tips from other players. And, you know, I tried to do the musical rod in school. I was like first chair, low brass. But the whole writing music was was heart, not, not heartless, but soul. It, it didn't have enough soul for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't really... I didn't really get attached to the whole theory of music. I was all, I'm all about the feel. Sure. sure. And, and what, when did you start, you started playing with what, Wuv first? Yeah. Me and Wuv started playing, um, when, when, uh, what's it called? Uh, when we were kids, we, we had a, a thrash band called Eskatos. I was screaming and singing, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, he was doing the drums. We had a couple friends on bass and guitar mm-hmm. and we were trying to do like a Sepultura Slayer-esque kind of thing. Okay. And uh, 
it ended up uh, being pretty cool. We played some shows and then there was a scene growing in South San Diego, a band called House of Suffering, another band called Shindig. They were mixing rap with hardcore music, whether it was straight edge, whether it was, you know, punk rock. And we were like, that's dope because we're from the neighborhood. We like rap. Mm-hmm. We like hip hop, but we love punk rock and, and, and reggae. So we start talking. We're like, dude, let's let's switch it up. You 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 can play guitar, do back on it, but let's get a frontman frontman that can actually rhyme. And I'm like, hmm, sounds fun. Sunny, mm-hmm. uh, Wolf's cousin was in a you know like a little rap thing with his friends. And so what about my cousin? And I was like, dude, he's super shy. <laughs> and he was like, well, let's let's see if he's into it. He started showing up to practices, not really saying much, just kind of observing and listening. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he goes, I got a little something. And then he started doing his thing over it. And we were kind of like, that's pretty sick. And then it just started to grow and grow. And hey, we got a show at this backyard party in Bonita, which is a, a suburb of San Diego. And uh, it didn't last. Maybe we played like three songs. The cops came and shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun, man. You know, we were like, this is dope, man. So and we started playing shows with the bands that actually inspired us to do that. Mm-hmm. That transition from like just strictly metal to, the, you know, to to um, to rap and all that stuff. So, you know, there, there wasn't many bands doing it back then. It was even right. before Against the Machine. Zach was still doing Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Inside Out was playing gigs with, I'm talking Zach De La Roca from Rage. Was Rage, gigs, right. Was playing with House of Suffering. So we were playing with House of Suffering. Oh, I didn't we were, realize that he was connected down to San Diego as well. They would do shows all the time, man. That straight edge scene, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Revelation Records and all that. So uh-huh. pretty cool, man. That is really rad. Yeah, because you guys started, what, in like 1992, 91, 92? 92 official, like, we're okay. a band. But we were playing before that. Sure. 90, like trying to get, you know, just trying to get out there. Mm-hmm. And when, well, how did you meet Love? Did you guys go to school together? No, I met Wub because uh, it's, I came from a really uh, a, a Christian religious home. And okay. my mom, you know, was like, if you're going to play guitar, you got to play for the Lord. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, man, all right. So I'm wearing, I was the little rebel wearing my Metallica shirt. And <laughs> church. I got my first earring. You know what I mean? And sure. I was just kid going through adolescence and my mom would get a lot of flack from all her church friends. Like, how could you let your son do that? So the pastor, the youth pastor at the time was like, Hey man, the way you're going to learn is just get on stage, get on stage and play for the youth group. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how to play. I suck. <laughs> but that's how you're going to learn. Stand up there and just do it. So I'd stand up there. All my, my friends would be laughing. Like, look at Marco's trying to do a thing up there. Well, we had a friend, he was like a, a surfer dude. And he was like, Hey, I have a buddy. Cause I was trying to, I'm going to form my own band, all this stuff. I'm going to make it big. You guys watch and see. And, uh, he's on, well, my friend, my friend plays drums. I, I'm going to take you over there and introduce you. Maybe you guys can start jamming. That's how I met Wolf. Oh, wow. I have a car and he, he, he's all dude, let's jump in. We went over there to Wolf's house. Wolf was surfing at the time and, I just, I, I want to say, just got back. His wetsuit was hanging up. And my first time, I was like, hey, man, what's up, bro? Nice to meet you. I heard that uh, that you play drums, man. Like, I'm looking to jam me and this bass player that I was jamming with. 
and you, I go, do you like Metallica? Do you like Faith No More? You like like Slayer? And he's like, yeah, man, ACDC. Then let's jam. <laughs> so <laughs> we started jamming in his house in the living room, and he, he didn't have a drum set. His dad played drums, but he was just natural drummer, like, you know, always jumping on the drum kit. Mm-hmm. His dad was like, kind of stepbrothers-ish. Don't get on my drum set. So we'd like, my dad's not home. Let's jam. <laughs> so we we jam because dad would be at work mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you know his dad would come home early i told you not to be on my drums and all this stuff and hey guys we gotta stop i'd pack up my gear and head home it was it was cool man and then it, we just started jamming more and more and his dad actually embraced us and was very supportive didn't he and, end up managing you guys in the beginning there <laughs> He started managing us. That's so funny. Kind of like totally changed his tune when he realized you guys were really good. Well, he started backing his son, you know, and, and backing yeah. up. And next thing you know, we're going and recording a little demo. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of evolved from there, dude. That's crazy. And you guys got offered a deal pretty quickly, right? Essential Records. Not as it wasn't as it wasn't as quick as we would have thought we would have liked. Okay. Like for instance. When, when Green Day, when we did that show at the first solo with Green Day, they got signed by Warner Brothers that night, I believe. Oh, wow. The, okay. The guy that signed them talked to the drummer's dad, Wolf's dad. And he was like, dude, I dig what you guys are doing. Uh, I'm just not 100% like sure about the lyrics. You know what I mean? Like or what Sonny's talking about. So... It was kind of one of those things. And we were like, man, if we would have got signed that night too, like that would have been even, We, I mean, we got signed in 97, but didn't put a record out till like 99 or right. 98. And that was fundamental elements of Southtown. Mm-hmm. Think about it. It would have been, dude, we would have got signed then. That was like 93, 92 or 90, whatever it was, but we would have been early on before the rages, before all that stuff. Sure. It, it just wasn't our time. Mm-hmm. We had to do it the hard way, man. We got in a van and, you know, had to sell ourselves in the sense of like, hey, we're a bunch of dudes from San Diego and I hope you guys like what we're doing. Let's have a good time. Next thing you know, it just started to grow. If we didn't see promise, I don't think we would have kept going. Mm-hmm. So we kept going to places in different cities and seeing, oh, first time we went there, 50 people, 20 people. Next time, 100, 300 Wow. Then it was like, oh, shoot, 500. And we're like, dude, we're a little indie band selling CDs out of our van. Mm-hmm. And we did it up like that, man. And then we got an attorney and we say, hey, man, see if we can get any traction, start tossing stuff around. Labels started sniffing around, showing up at shows. Some people didn't get it. And our A&R rep got it. And we ended up signing with Atlantic. And that was where it all like just blew up, man. That's crazy. Well, I heard. Okay. So tell me about this though. I heard that you got offered like a hundred grand from a label and well, I'm in Nashville now. So like right, right down the road from me in Franklin and Mm. Sonny said, no, there's, we'll we'll do some there. This isn't the deal. And then you ended up waiting on it and getting obviously the Atlantic. You know what the, the two labels, I mean, there was a lot of them that passed, but the two that I remember that were hot on us at the time was Jive. Okay, yeah, I remember Jive. You know, and Jive had Tribe Call Quest, so we were like, dude, so they took us to dinner. Oh, wow. We were like, 
We went to Ruth Chris. That was our thing. If they was going to court us, we're going to go to Ruth Chris. Ruth Chris. Taking lobster and do it. Sure. Um, And then Atlantic started sniffing around, but the A&R rep was coming, flying out to our shows. Like we'd be playing on a Tuesday night in a suburb of Detroit Mm -hmm. and there'd be 700 kids there. Wow. So they were kind of tripping out on that. Yeah. Like this indie band pulling that, those numbers. I mean, to this day, that's still huge numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that, I mean, we couldn't have done this without our fan base, dude. The whole TRL thing we were talking about that the other day, we were like, we were like, yo, you know what? Our fans did that. Cause back then it was all about calling in and voting for your favorite band. Mm -hmm. And it was real. So we got on there with, the InSync's and the Britneys and the right, that's so crazy. Boys. Yeah, and you guys were number one, right on TRL. Yeah, <laughs> and that was it's, like in the heyday of of the yeah. Christina Aguilera's and the InSync's yeah. and all that. And then you got these dudes from South San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> was that a, that must have been a trip to see your video and see and see yourself on MTV, dude? Uh, it, it it was like a. For me, the way I explain all that, dude, it's kind of like a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Like all this chaos going on, everyone's, oh my gosh. And then you're like in the middle of the storm and it's calm, but you're kind of like trying to just take it all in without losing your mind. Like, like sure. oh man, you can go off the demon. Woo! You know what I'm saying? So it's uh-huh. just got to try to be like, and at that young age, dude, you got everyone giving you their opinion on what uh-huh. you should do and how you should be and, you know, all that stuff. That's yeah, and, and well, it's not even like the you guys were in the the storm as you say when when that record came out when Fundamental Elements of Southtown and you're on TRL and then you elevate that to the next level even more on the next record the one you know Satellite we're celebrating Wolf. twenty years you got three four five huge hits off that song where they're just unreal. Well, you know what? A lot of people don't seem to understand the politics. It's just like I would think in anything else. You can get into the major leagues or, you know, you can become a pro baller. Mm-hmm. But then once you're in, there's competition for your spot, mm-hmm. you know, for your position. Then you got to prove yourself, become a starter. Then you got to keep producing. So I like to compare that to us because once we got signed, then it was like the big ship of Atlantic, which is part of Warner Brothers, Warner Electra Atlantic. We uh, mm-hmm. Then you have all these A&R reps trying to get their band all the love within the, within the umbrella of Atlantic. Okay. So sure. our A&R reps like, well, check out my band. Then you got another A&R rep who's pushing Kid Rock and Sugar Ray. And they all want the same attention from all the people that work radio at the, la- at the label and mm-hmm. where they work television and Hey, put my band above all these bands. It, it, it's political. <laughs> so that first record fundamental elements. Answer, the angel on our side was MTV. MTV loved us. Uh-huh. And when once we proved ourselves with TRL, radio hadn't even started playing us yet. Really? And uh, it was it was it was MTV, and then radio came later. But we were still playing Ozfest, you know, touring our asses off, one one person at a time, and we sold platinum on it with not much radio. So once Atlantic once Atlantic figured that out, they're like, "Wait, well, hey, if we put a little umph behind this." then maybe it'll show promise. The numbers are there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it, it happened. We, we knew right there, okay, this is our spot. This is our time. We got to write some tunes now that we've got to this level that are going to hopefully transcend over to the 
to the masses, bro. And they did. Mm-hmm. Use the Nation Alive. Those are the songs oh, that yeah. keep giving to this day, man. <laughs> we laugh about it. Like, those songs, no matter what, people know them. Yeah, you know? they're hit. I mean, Youth of the Nation was when that came out, that was a song you couldn't go anywhere without hearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I especially from being in San Diego, it was like all I, that was when radio was all over you guys. I mean, Rock yeah. 53 and 91 X were playing that song like religiously. <laughs> well, you know what's crazy we were talking about is like the format was different. Mm-hmm. We were getting played on alternative radio. Right. We weren't, we weren't an active rock band then. It was weird, but that's the time period that we were in. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a trip, man, because now, now it's active radio. Sure. So it's like everything shifted. And mm-hmm. on, on alt radio, there's not much guitar going on. Right. It, there really isn't anymore. It's synth poppy, which, which was the 80s too. But I, I, I trip out on it because I'm like, okay, now we're, we didn't get our number one hit surprisingly until we went to active uh yeah. thinking about forever on a murder love record was our first number one i alive in youth they didn't they they broke top five but they never got to number one. Oh, i didn't realize that that's interesting Crazy, when you, yeah well when you guys put out the awakening we were playing i mean i think we, 91x has always supported pod throughout they the have because i mean there's that was a record that had came out when we were doing the burrito tour and all that and all that stuff. Yeah. But and dude, think- um, it's, it's just been a journey. We learned a lot, dude. Well, I mean, you um, have what? 10 records, uh, uh, 10 records are out with circles and then. Yeah. And we're working on it. Go ahead. We're, we're working on something new right now. You are. Okay. Yeah. That was my next question. So where were you guys sitting when this whole virus hit? Were you on on the road or planning on a tour or how did how did obviously that directly affect you aside from now you're stuck um, inside? Dude, <laughs> it was crazy because we we played halftime right before the pandemic at a at a college bowl game over in El Paso. It was uh Arizona Sun Devils versus Virginia Tech. Oh cool. And they asked us to play the halftime ceremony. And you know, we did the hits, boom, live, mm-hmm. you know, packed stadium. And Unreal. that we we're like, we're gonna take a couple, we're gonna take like you know, three, four months off because we've been touring our asses off all over the world. And I'm all cool, man. I need it. And during the three, four months, we had some shows lined up. I would say that was the beginning, you know, New Year's Eve. Some shows were lined up for April. Mm-hmm. Well the pandemic hit and everything got canceled. And so it's like, Oh man, a couple more months off, maybe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, it's, it's a year. Yeah, now it's like <laughs> two years, and then, and then two years. And then you're like sitting there like, what in the hell, man, what are we going to do if this keeps going on? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have to go start another career, which I haven't had a nine to five since, the 90s, bro. Yeah, you know what I mean? what, like 91. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm in my 40s now. Like, and, and, you know, nothing's impossible. It's definitely possible. But it was a trip, man, because I was a major question. So, like, right now, we're on our first tour in two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in those two years, man, like, like it really checked. You really had to, like, I had to check myself because I think everybody was dealing with it in their own way, but I was, 
I was dealing with focusing too much on the negative. Mm-hmm. And I had to be real with myself and go, dude, you're blessed. You, you got to focus on the positives. Where that's all up here, man, because I know a lot of people were dealing with, you know, depression and, and a lot of different substance abuse ish, you know, things during that time. And I, and I yeah. understand. Especially when you're sitting around, I mean, you got nothing going on. I can't imagine being like single and by yourself, like isolated like that. Oh, dude, you're, you you, you know what, man? See, I wasn't single. Uh I was in a relationship at that time. And it really, you you would think I'm going to be home for two years. (laughs) Relationship's going to be awesome. I'm because I'm touring. You're usually in and out. Gone. Yeah. It, it it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, so yeah, man, I, uh, I'm currently single again. So I was like, see, man, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, the universe did what it did. And, sure. and, and now I'm just having a blast out here on the road, bro. <laughs> so I'm, in, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm enjoying every little bit of it, man. But That's good. That's good. Hey, we're taking it one day at a time because mm-hmm. back to what you were saying, like we, about the pandemic, as, as far as it being a pandemic and, you know, it's tragic in many ways. We've been a band long enough that when our record actually dropped, the satellite record was 9-11. Yeah. Um, you know, and the actual day when that big tragedy happened mm-hmm. with the towers and everything, we were happy because our records dropping that day. And then we wake up all this promo press we've been working so hard on. And then we're God. like, wow, what the heck, man? World for everybody, including us upside down mm-hmm. what does that mean what does that mean well we had a live out on radio and people needed that song so they gravitated to that song and it became a like a little beacon of hope for them dude so you know in that sense we did our job on the type of band that we've always wanted to be is inspirational and you know encouraging people and 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 just providing a little beacon of light during mm-hmm. hard times and, 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 you know, the bands that we look up to, like the, the Santana's, the Bob Marley's, the U2's, that's kind of the approach we take within the genre and what we do. So mm-hmm. we're one of those bands that, 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 you know, strives on being positive and, yeah. and giving hope, man. So I was going to we, comment we, on that. So go ahead. I was just want to say that you with alive to be on uh, my wife was born and raised in San Diego. She was yeah. hit by a car at 14 years old, uh, broke her C1, C2 vertebrae on her neck. Oh, man. 14 on September 7th, 2001. And Alive was out on radio at the time. And then when the record came out, like that's like her anthem. That's still like her favorite song of all time because it got her through that whole experience. So if that time period, that would happen to her during the whole, the whole. Yeah, it was two, three, you know, five days before. Yeah. And it's crazy because we had just done a TRL thing for Carson Daly and MTV at Battery Park, which is right next to the towers. And one of our homies, rest in peace, he's no longer with it. He was like, Marcos, you ever seen the towers this close? And at the time, like, we're talking about the hurricane and the whirlwind of everything. I was like, yeah. I don't, I, I, whatever, dude. Like, I don't really care. Right. Mm-hmm. That's my punk ass kid, early <laughs> sure. 20s, whatever. How would you know? Right. But, He's like, come on, you're going to regret it. He's like, I end up going, taking a little walk about a hundred yards, 200 yards. And 
looking straight up right below the towers going, wow, those things are huge, right? A couple of days later, after press, we're back home. People still call, they call me to wake up. Hey, are you still in New York? You still in New York? Turn your TV on. And I was like, what? No oh way, gosh. man. I'm all, I was just standing right there. We just played a show at Battery Park right there. That is crazy, man. You, do, I, do you think about that? It's just like, what? Dude. So when we're talking as a band, we're like, dude, we're celebrating 20 years of this record. And, you know, the fans are coming out. It's, been, it's a weird time to go to shows because they got the restrictions and regulations. And there's mm -hmm. people that are like not coming to shows. Either they're not vaxxed and they can't prove it or or they're scared to come around and be a, in a group of bunch of people, dude. So mm -hmm. shows have been they've been good, but they're not what they could be, what we're used to. Mm -hmm. We believe because of that. And yeah. I 100% agree with you. And we're being told by our, our agent and our, our, our everybody, oh, dude, it's not just you guys. It's a lot of people. And I'm like, well, how come these big, you know, stadium tours look like they're killing it? Well, those were sold. Sold out uh, before the, yeah, before, before the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. I go, well, those people are still showing up. Like, yeah, but it's different. They're outdoors. You guys are playing theaters and, and, and or maybe they're not all there. Maybe they just have the, you know, I don't know. Well, dude, we did a show that was awesome in Denver. We played the Gothic, right? And mm -hmm. we, we found out a couple hundred people didn't show up. Oh, they wow. Tickets. So they just didn't show up. And mm -hmm. we're like, dude, that's weird. But I understand because the media and everything that's being told everything is evolving and shifting and changing at all. Like every day, like this is new or live nation says this. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're just like sitting there going, dude, let's just get through this tour. We don't even know when we're going to be able to tour again. Yeah, so dude. we're chugging along like a freight, <laughs> but we've been a band so long. We made it through that, uh -huh. you know, through that whole nine 11 thing. And we just kept chugging. We're still here chugging along through the pandemic going, <laughs> Hey man, and, and you know what? It's, it's been cool, man, because the fans that have been showing up have been going off, man. It's oh, been that's great. so cool. So are you doing Satellite in like an entirety or? We're, we're tapping into our inner Pink Floyd. Yeah. Okay. Dude, we're doing from front to back. That's so cool. The only downside of that is that I don't know if you remember back in the day, Sam Goody, Tower Records, they had listeners oh, yeah. for CDs with headphones. Sure. And Blockbuster music and all that. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing with that is, is we strategically put our best songs up front on purpose. Oh. So when people pop the CD in, they're like, oh yeah, I know this. Oh, I know that song. Oh, so that's it, brilliant. But <laughs> that was part of the, our A&R rev. Everybody was like, uh -huh. you got that. So then when we, we listen to our record, all the hits are at the beginning of the album. So <laughs> all the ones you usually the save are like the encore. <laughs> yeah, so the, the middle to the end is all deep cuts. So we're like sitting there going, yeah, man, you can tell in the crowd who, who listened to the radio and listened to the album to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And who? To the people that were actually actively loving it all the way through. Way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny, though. Well, that's rad that you're able to celebrate. I mean, I know it's yeah. been a weird time, but 20 years, 21 years on that, or 20 years on the record, and obviously yeah. over that on as a band, that's a, such a huge accomplishment. Uh, I mean, who, I, I told people all the time, I'm like, dude, I don't even know. We could have never guessed that we would be here 20 years later talking about this right right now. Like, 
dude, we're so stoked. We're like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we can still do this, man. Mm-hmm. And still go around the world. As soon as they hit that note on euthanasia, regardless of culture or language, it connects and they sing the lyrics and they don't, they don't really speak English. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty rad, dude. That's so cool. What a special time. I mean, that's amazing. I'm curious, uh, you, you, you'd said that you guys have been working on some new music. Was that something that started yeah, in the I mean, midst of the pandemic or were you guys? I, I'm a little disappointed in, in, in uh, how unproductive we've been because we have been doing that, but it's not where I think I told the guys, I go, dude, we should have had a couple records done during this time and been like, dude, we got a couple records in the vault already. Right, right. Not, not my band. You know what I mean? We were just spending time with family and, you know, just, just enjoying our time home. But yeah, I mean, you got 10 <laughs> records out, man. And like yeah, some and people weren't that inspired during the pandemic. Cause it's like how you're not out living life really. Exactly. So. Well, the beginning of the pandemic was rough because that's when everybody was like, they didn't know what to expect. Everybody's like, you got to stay in your house. Right. You know, go, go to the store, grab whatever you need and go. And then there was nothing. Get the hell out. Yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, well, I'm glad everything uh, that you guys are able to, yeah, like you said, keep chugging along and, and, and continuing on this tour and uh, can't wait to hear the new stuff. And thank you awesome. so much for, for doing this, Marcos, man. I really, really appreciate it. I've been a fan Thanks of your for band for a long it's time. It's good to see and... you, man. I totally remember you too now. I was like, <laughs> you know who I... lives in Nashville now? Trey does. Does he really? Yeah, he moved over there a few years ago, man. Wow, I didn't realize that because he was living in Escondido, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Do you tra- yeah. do you guys come out here very often or no? Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, with the band, I do. Sure. Because you know, I do some producing and some songwriting. I've gone out to Knoxville, Nashville, working with other projects, but I, I'll stay for a little bit. You know, <laughs> keeping it. Are you still in San Diego then? I would imagine. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to leave, man. I was there for a long, long time. And then. Well, did you move because, because of, uh, well, cause Trey was like, dude, it just makes more sense on paper. It's not, he goes, I miss San Diego. He, yeah. he was like financial decisions. So I want to come back. It's just right now I'm going to go do this. Build yeah. A certain that's thing kinda, over there. yeah. That's what we were thinking. To, yeah. You know it. what I mean? Yeah. We, I love San Diego. Both my wife and I were born and raised there. So it's not like, and we still, I par- our parents are still there. My sister, her brother, it's like our whole family's there, but uh, you know, we can always make the trip back. <laughs> well, they always got that direct flight, right? American airlines. Oh whatever. yeah. She goes, it goes right there. It's not too, it's not too hectic. And no, nah, I've done it a few music, times. So I meet some cool people every time I'm there, dude. It's a fun town. It's a really cool town. I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect when I moved here. I thought it was like a big country music city, but it really isn't. I mean, it's got everything here. Yeah. I, I always end up at the red door. Okay. Yeah. That's a great place. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, again, Marcos, thank you so much, man. Uh, I have one more question for you. If you have a second, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I do, man. You, you got to do it 150%. And there's going to be, there's going to be people that say no, no, no. And there's going to be people that knock you down. You just got to keep on believing in yourself and say, yes, yes, yes. And you got to do it 150%, no matter all the negatives, keep chugging along because that's how we got here and we're still here. And when you look at the people that we started with in that, in that scene from our, Hey, like when we were on top of the world, MTV, all that, 
most of those bands aren't even around anymore, dude. So it's like, we're still here and we like to consider ourselves a blue collar rock band. And um, we're like a freight train, freight train that keeps chugging, man. And just don't give up and um, just believe in yourself 150%. And if it's meant to be, the universe will align the stars for you and it'll happen.